Welcome to the Money Behave Podcast, where we talk about winning with your money and making it behave. Creating a plan of your future goals because a plan written down every month has a lot better chance of getting things done than just a dream of what you want to do. This is the Money Behave Podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dell. It's the financial show where uh, no life insurance is sold. What's ahead in this episode? I'm sure several of you have been wondering where I've been, and I'll get to that here in just a minute. Some of the things ahead, we'll be talking about September spending plan items, uh, some of the items you want to make sure that you have in your budget for uh, next month. We'll also be talking about motivation. What motivates you? What motivates your team? Um, How to motivate a friend or a loved one? How do you motivate a 30-year-old to get out of your basement? Also, a little spoiler, a recent event in my life has caused me to start on a project that I know will help many of you out there. Something I'm definitely excited about. All right, before we dive in, I just want to let you guys know I added a little bit of gain to my microphone, so you might notice this episode a little bit louder than the last few episodes. Let me know what you think. If it's too loud or if it's still a little bit soft, let me know. Uh, you can send me those emails at feedback at moneybehave.com. Once again, that's feedback at moneybehave.com. Also, before we get started, I've got a little vent, a little frustration to get out you know, a lot of us think that we can multitask pretty well, but in reality, we really can't. Every day I see a new article, new Facebook article, new news article about someone else that has been killed because someone else was texting and driving or on their phone and driving. This has got to stop. I know this problem will go away once, you know, we have a lot more self-driving cars on the road. But in the meantime, we need to put our phones down, stop texting and driving, stop being on your phone and driving. If you have to text someone, you have to talk to someone, please pull over. How would you feel about it if your brother or sister or child was in the car and and someone was texting and driving and crashed into you? I know you don't think it's going to happen to you. I know you think it's just real quick text, but stop, please. I know there's a lot of laws out there that are coming down, but we shouldn't need a law. It should be pretty common sense. You can't text and drive and pay attention. If you think you can, you should YouTube videos for a few minutes and and look through a few of them text just search texting and driving on youtube you know some places like australia you can't even touch a phone while sitting in the driver's seat even at a stoplight i've found the glove box to be a perfect spot for the cell phone while you're driving even thought about getting one of those little cameras where they see inside the car and outside the car i've got a dash cam already but i thought about getting one of those cameras that sees both ways so you see the driver is not distracted kind of help extra hold me accountable i'll tell you 99 percent of the time i don't text and drive anymore don't talk on my phone anymore and drive even with the bluetooth in my in my wife's car i was driving the other day and it rang and i could have answered it i just decided not to there's too much going on on the road but please i don't want to see another article with someone that you might know was in an accident with someone texting and driving so please put your phones away guys all right where the hell have i been It's funny, I actually started this episode back in early July, right after I had a summer cold. Perfect time to talk about motivation, right? The problem was, was uh, my voice was a little scratchy, and listening to the episode, it did not sound good at all. So I decided to put it off until my cold was over, and, you know, my voice kind of sounded human again. This was on the 15th of July, and uh, life decided to throw me a curveball. My wife had uh, come home from work. And she had told me she was uh, having high blood pressure, um, swelling, and just not feeling well. She thought something was off. I asked her to call the doctor. She was pretty reluctant because she knew, you know, she had a baby shower that day. And what if the doctor told her to go to the hospital? You know, I told her, 
Well, I guess we're going to go to the hospital. The doctor says we need to go to the hospital, of course. Well, she called the doctor, and of course the doctor said go ahead and go to the ER and see what they have to say. Went in, and uh, they started checking everything, and ended up coming in and telling her they wanted to keep her overnight just to be on precaution. Her, her blood pressure was kind of high, mostly high for her. We we both have pretty low blood pressure, um, and they just kind of want to keep her in for you know monitoring, monitoring. Which of course she was bummed because all her coworkers and friends were had a baby shower getting ready for her, and she was bummed to miss that. Her coworkers and friends were all understanding, of course, and we all joked like, "Hey, maybe we can bring the baby to the next one." Of course, at this time her due date was still five weeks out. So we're thinking this is just going to be a you know a little scare and watch this, take it easy, this get bed rest, this you know. But as we went through the night, things slowly seemed to start progressing a little worse. And she was my wife was showing signs of preeclampsia. And in the morning, when the, the new doctor came on from on call, it happened to be it actually happened to be our doctor. It was kind of cool. Um, we went ahead and started inducing for the protection of the baby and and the mommy, obviously. And things started getting really quick, really fast, really quick contractions. Uh, the baby was having uh, late D cells, which was showing that the baby wasn't going to be able to take childbirth. And we ended up having to have a C-section that day on July 16th. Everything went very well. Baby came out healthy, and although we didn't really plan for uh, five weeks early, we were pretty much ready for everything. We talked about everything and how we were going to handle every situation. So we knew once the baby headed off to the NICU, I was going to follow and mommy was going to get stitched back up and come see the baby boy. Speaking of the baby boy, I'm not sure if you heard him whining in the background there. He's so cute. Hopefully it's not too annoying. I'll try and edit some of them out if he's too too loud back there, but he's kind of gurgling and gargling right now. It's pretty, it's pretty cute. But we ended up spending almost two weeks in the NICU. Certainly not the best of times, but we we can't say thank you enough to all the wonderful NICU nurses that watched over him, slept with him, fed him, took care of him. They were they were all great. Some of those NICU nurses have been in there. I remember one night there was three nurses in our little section, and added up together, the three nurses had over 100 years experience all in the NICU. You could tell they knew what they were doing. They knew exactly what was going on. They were wonderful teachers and guides to me and my wife. But finally, we were able to go home. He also was able to pass the oxygen test, which is kind of rare for uh, babies at our high altitude here in Colorado or in Colorado Springs. For those that didn't already know that, he came home without oxygen. Has just been doing so great. He's been gaining weight steadily, just right on track. He's got an awesome smile already. My wife and I feel so blessed. We appreciate all the family and friends around us who have helped us out making meals, surrounding us with gifts meals oh my goodness the food lasagna meatloaf uh, chicken so much wonderful food uh, gifts oh my goodness people have overloaded us with gifts he's already starting to outgrow some of the clothes that he's been given we appreciate that from all you guys we can't thank you enough it's been great spending time with him the last month i ended up taking eight weeks off my full-time job so i haven't had to worry about that took a little break from this podcast but i'm i'm back don't worry i'm coming back I'll be here for you guys. I've got some upcoming stuff. It's given me a lot a lot of time to think about what I want to do for these next few episodes, what's coming up ahead. Uh, speaking of what's coming up ahead, let's talk about uh, September 2018 spending plan items, some things you'll want to make sure are in your budget. Uh, number one on the list, giving, of course. 
some of you guys may have already started school so if you haven't already you want to plan for that maybe babysitters if you have kids um, after school daycares and so etc you also want to look into fall breaks they're coming up they'll be here quick also teacher gifts a lot of people get their teachers something gifts after the holidays as a little thank you for spending so much time with their kids last week we had a uh, wonderful fall breeze that kind of was like a little teaser felt a little chilly in the air so you know those winter clothes are going to be coming of course this week was back up to like 90 something today it was hot definitely no fun going outside i'm a very uh winter person i love i love the cold uh, another thing coming up is uh, Labor Day specials and barbecues. Those are right around the corner. Your days of cleaning out the garage and cleaning out the outside and getting that all winterized are coming coming to an end. So make sure you get that stuff done before before it gets too cold. Oktoberfest for those that uh, love to drink beer or celebrate Oktoberfest. I'd love to go over to Germany and, and over to Europe and celebrate some of that stuff over there. Not a huge drinker, but I do like the good beers. We actually went the other day to get a few beers the other day, first time since the baby's been born, and and it was certainly refreshing. All right, also on the horizon, Halloween, which is my favorite holiday of the year. Of course, my wife and I don't spend any money before Halloween, typically. Well, maybe a little bit. That's not true. We do spend a little bit, but typically we budget for after Halloween, the day after Halloween, because everything's 50, 60, 75% off. We just put that stuff right with the Halloween stuff, and it's a surprise next year. Certainly the trick is you want to make sure to take it out and make sure it's working all correctly, and you want to put it together. It's pretty easy with our pile. We have quite a pile of Halloween stuff being our favorite holiday. We have tons of decorations, so it's it's not like we're going to buy something and it's going to get mixed, misplaced for next year. It'll be right with everything. And then you got the two other big holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Some of you might already need to have your uh, airline tickets already purchased and into your September budget. Remember, airline tickets typically get more expensive the closer you get to Christmas. Are you tired of not having money to do things you love and to help the people around you in need? Email me now at moneybehave at gmail.com because I can help you meet your money goals. I've been neck deep in debt and I want to help you win so life is easier for you and your future generations. Email me now at moneybehave at gmail.com. FaceTime and Skype also available as well if you do not live in my area or if your spouse is overseas serving for the military. Do you feel like you're surrounded by negative people most of the day? Uh-uh, no more. Go to facebook.com slash positive daily encouragement and start hanging out with other positive people. Share your inspiration of the day and see what others have to say that is great with their lives. One free positive quote posted every day, usually in the mornings. So go now to facebook.com slash positive daily encouragement and start hanging around other winners. Are you getting value out of the show? Give us a review on iTunes or Google Play and remember to share us with your friends and family. We would like to help them as well. And now back to the Money Behave podcast with your host, Jonathan Dell. Now on to the heart of the podcast, motivation. I'm going to break it down into four separate categories. First, self-motivation. Second, how to motivate your spouse, friend, or family member. Third, how to motivate your team. And fourth, how to kick, I mean motivate your 20 or 30 year old out of your basement. Self-motivation. What motivates you? Obviously, you're a motivated person. You turned on this podcast and listened to it. Typically, self-motivating goals are better than someone else setting goals for us. 
Like, if I was to tell my wife she needs the goal of taking out the trash or dirty diapers every day, those diapers are probably going to end up underneath my pillow. So we got to find a way to motivate ourselves. You are your best motivator. You're looking for insight and inspiration. My hope is that's the reason why you turned on this podcast. For me, written goals are a lot better than just a dream, which is why I start this show with creating a plan of your future goals because a plan written down every month has a lot better chance of things getting done than just a dream of what you want to do. Now, you can't just write it down and put it in a notebook and stash it away for a year. Write it down and hang it up somewhere where you're going to see it a lot. Just hang it up on your mirror, bedroom door, somewhere somewhere you're going to see every day. You know, if you're a lady, you sit down on the toilet multiple times a day. That wall right in front of the toilet is a perfect spot, something you're going to see every day for a few minutes. If you're a guy, maybe behind the toilet seat. If you're married or have a girlfriend... Maybe add a little note that says, put the toilet seat down because I love my wife or my girlfriend. Perhaps it's a food goal. Put a, put a note on the refrigerator or pantry door. Every time you go to open it, you, you'll see it and remind yourself of what your goals are. I remember going to this guy's house a while back. He had a picture of a big old fat guy, like a sumo wrestler or something. I asked him, why is this on the pantry door? He's like, this reminds me, every time I go to the pantry and get something, if, if I don't get something that's healthy, I'm going to end up looking like that. Perhaps the goals of watching TV less. You know, you can hang a sign on the TV says, you know, one episode only today. Or like most of us, we find ourselves on our phone too much. Something as simple as a small sticker on your phone will set a reminder to, you know, hey, put your phone down. Get off Facebook so much. Something to serve as a reminder that you are committing to yourself. Another good thing is finding a trusting support partner. One that will back you up and not be rude about it. You know, one of the self-motivating goals that I get constantly is about retirement. We all know we have to save for retirement. We see so many people on Social Security alone and see how hard they are struggling to keep afloat. A lot of financial advisors will recommend 10-20% going into retirement. Let's say you make $100,000 a year and want to do 10%. That's $10,000. That's a lot of money to swing all at once. But if you instead increase it by 1% every month, you'll have a lot more measurable goals. 1% a month is a lot more doable than 10% all at once. Plus you'll get that feel-good sensation as you see it increase every month. My hope is that every one of you listening to my voice right now not only has to worry about surviving in retirement, but thriving in retirement so that you can help so many people around you. Now how do we motivate a spouse, friend, or family member? Like I said, it's not telling them what to do. Telling my wife that she needs to take out the trash is not going to happen. First thing that I like to do is earn their trust. I have to remember that what they see and what I see are two different things. I first have to learn what they see. Empathy plays a huge role in this. I have to listen more. Most of us have two ears and one mouth, but we seem to speak a lot more than we seem to listen. A trick that I like to use is when I walk away or when I turn around and walk out of the room, I like to pause for a second and ask myself, okay, what did they just say? If I can only remember the last thing that they said or only one or two lines, then I wasn't listening very well. I was only speaking The art of listening does wonders, and it'll give you clues on how to talk to someone in your circle. Because you'll no longer have to guess how they feel, you'll know how they feel. You know, I've said it before, I have a lot of family and friends in the armed services, and a friend of mine in the Marines told me years ago that Marine leaders eat opposite of rank. Usually the youngest, or, well, typically the youngest, lower rank, eat first, and the higher ranks eat last. I think that's superb motivation by seeing a leader eat last, letting the younger ones eat first. You know, for military, there is no middle ground. You either get off your butt and do your job, or you don't go home to see your family. You know, I think there's nothing more honorable than a man or woman serving his country. 
I appreciate all of you that do. If I can do anything for you guys, you just let me know. My son's being a little chatty tonight, so I'll try and block all those off, and I'll schedule the next podcast when my wife is taking care of our son. But I just, I was so motivated, I wanted to get this episode. It's been a while since I've done one, so I was excited to get it out for you guys. How else do we motivate a friend or family member? If I tell a friend or family member that they're fat, do you really think they're going to go right out and go to the gym right now? Probably not. You know, some people, especially if, you know, they eat when they're depressed, you know, some gamble, some sleep, some watch TV, uh, they browse Facebook or YouTube, and the last thing you want to do is tell them, hey, you're fat, you know. On the other hand, if I can present a lot of facts and well-documented, you know, articles to, to, you know, my friend or family member, hey, you know, people that are fat, you know, they... They're most likely going to die earlier. They have a lot of heart trouble and diabetes and everything else. They have a lot more medical expenses. So if I instead become a supportive person and not a negative person, it has a lot more chances of them turning their lives around. And it's not about doing things your way. It's about you know making educated decisions on everything you decide to do. It's typically better to go with your first instinct on how to talk to a friend or family member. I got this advice when I was in college, and it increased my test scores by 10, 20, 30, 10, 20%. I still go back over it, but unless I'm 100% sure, I don't change my original answer. If you pay attention to your friend or family member, you're going to know how to talk to them. You know, you know how to help motivate them. And it's not about getting them to do things your way. I truly believe we all, or most of us, want you know the best for other people. You can agree or disagree with me, and that, that's fine. I just know when I first started changing things from negative to positive that more good things started coming into my life. I put a positive outlook onto the universe, and the universe has been great to me. And it's not going to be just one thing you got to change. It's going to be multiple things, slowly, step-by-step progress, and you'll reach that longer goal, I promise you. Now let's talk about how to motivate your team. Focus on the people. Get to know them. Empathy, like I said earlier. One-on-one talks. They don't have to be official. You're going to get fired if you don't do this or that. Just just listen to what they have to say. Listen to how they feel. How you talk to one team member is going to be different than how you talk to another. What motivates one team member versus another is going to be different as well. A good book that I think might help is uh, by Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages. And it'll kind of help you learn what motivates some people is different for others based on our love languages. For instance, my primary love language is touch. Obviously, in a work environment, there's only so much touching you can do appropriately. But one of my first managers that I had for, I guess, the first five, six years, almost every single day, he would shake my hand when he first saw me right before he was going home for the day. I mean, what's in a handshake? It's just a small gesture, but it made me feel loved by him, made me respect him more, it made me motivated more to do more for him, for the team. But other people on your team might respond better to positive affirmations. And if you're constantly telling them what they're doing wrong, it's not exactly motivating for them. So it's definitely a book I would recommend you get. Good place to start. You know, perhaps you're not the head dog in the yard, but you can be a leader where you are. A true leader puts their people first and credit their team first. You know, there's a lot of acronyms out there for team. Here's a few that I found. Together everyone achieves more. There's no I in team. Testing everyone's ability to mature. Talent, enthusiasm, accountability, management. Train, educate, attract, motivate. A leader must earn the trust of his or her people and treat them like family. A leader needs to create an environment that people want to go to every day. 
Maybe if there's only one or two people that are overwhelmed and stressed, then the problem may lie with them. It might not even be work-related. It might be personal. But if half or more than half of your team is constantly stressed and feeling run over, then you might have a leadership problem. And if you're that leader, you can you can fix it. You can turn it around. Start talking with some of your people one-on-one. You know, hey, what's going on? Talk to me. Be empathetic. I've seen many great leaders fall and get back up and turn the, turn things right back around. Inspire your people. Don't manipulate them. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. If there's not a big enough why, they can't see the reason why they're doing something. They're not going to be motivated to do anything. Certainly nothing out of their way. There are so many great leadership books out there. Simon Sinek, John Maxwell, first couple that come to mind. Just Google leadership, motivation. You'll, you'll get a list of many, many books. There's so many books on leadership and motivation. Just remember, a team is a group of people working together. One of the first jobs that I did was uh, working at a pizza restaurant, which I guess you could say is the closest I came to working at fast food. And I had a boss that liked to make his employees mad before he went home because a mad employee worked a lot faster than a regular employee. When you're angry, you work at a faster pace. You get things done a lot quicker. And he thought that was the best way to do things and handle things. The problem with a mad employee is... They do things sloppy. They don't get things done efficiently. Things get broken. Things get damaged. Things just don't get done the right way. Of course, I only bring this up because I I hear about this every now and then. There's a boss that still likes to make people mad. Certainly not very common anymore because people realize that's not a very efficient way to get things done. Plus, it makes your people hate you, makes your people steal from you. Over time, most of us employees, we figured out a system the figure we figured out the faster we could pretend we were mad at each other the faster the boss would go home and we'd get down to business so we started playing on each other and pretending like we were mad but second the boss walked out the door we were all cool with each other playing and laughing and giggling and having a good time you know it's 15 20 years later i still remember lots of good times with larry tammy jessica all them i appreciate all the fun times we had together you know a fun environment's a lot more fun to be in if you don't believe me just google google <laughs> see what they do they obviously get a lot of stuff done all right moving on how to kick i mean motivate your 20 or 30 year old something out of your basement well just recently i've been able to help coach a couple into doing just that i'm not going to get into too much details as i don't want to betray any confidentiality but odds are if you are a parent with a child or children several children Odds are that you're going to die before they will. So the child needs to learn how to survive without you. Obviously, this could be a little bit harder if you've got a child with Down syndrome or autistic. I have not had a lot of dealings with either one in in great length. So I can't can't say I know your struggles. But still, that child is going to have to be able to survive without you. It's not always an easy cut and dry solution for how to get them out quick. For me, if there's drugs involved... They'll be out quicker than they'll they'll want to be. But I'll walk you through some pointers that might help you out. Certainly it's not easy setting goals for someone else. But you have to remember you have to have good boundaries and slowly get them on their own for their own good. Remember, it's still your house, our apartment. A great book on boundaries called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud is one I've recommended here before. Highly recommend you read that before you dive in. It is a little flooded with the religious point of views but if you can get around that it's a very very well written book very helpful and insightful 
first thing you got to do is sit down with your spouse and talk together how you're going to handle this. If you're not married, then if you're a single household, then you want to find a good support partner, someone you can talk to, someone that will listen to you and be empathetic and bounce things back at you and or even find a good coach in the area. Next, both you guys sit down with your son or daughter and tell them, you know, first what mistakes you've made as a parent, you know, how things have been steered wrong and you're going to steer the car back the right way and get help him out or her out this conversation might need to be held outside the house if it's going to be civil you know a, a restaurant would be nice sit down if there's if you think there might be yelling then it might not be such a good idea to have it at a restaurant but maybe an open park area during the week when when it's not too busy you might have to take a day off work to do this to get things going but this will show them that you're serious and you have to be serious. You have to follow your goals. Maybe even write it down. Show them, hey, this is this is the way it's going to be. This is These are the deadlines. These are the things we will need you to do by this date or else this will happen. If they don't currently work or they're only working one or two days a week, they need to get a job. They need to find one. Not just sitting, Not just sitting at home filling out resumes, but getting out there looking, talking to people, having interviews. Make them, write, make them write a report to you afterwards saying, hey, what went wrong? What went right in this interview? What do I need to practice on? Then have them follow up. If they don't hear back from the interviewer, have them go back in and say, hey, you know, I want to be better. You know, what were the reasons why you guys didn't, you know, you chose not to hire me? You can always start out with slow incremental changes. Obviously, you're going to know the child better than anyone. Focus more on what they're doing right than what they're doing wrong. No one wants to hear over and over, you're screw up, you're not, you're lazy, you know. Point them out, you know, hey, you're not hitting these goals, you know, focus here. Strength Finders 2.0 is an awesome guide for helping a child or a person find their strengths. Have them focus on the strengths. And then last but not least, hopefully you don't get to this far, but you may end up having to evict your own child. Certainly not a awesome thing for your relationship, but I've seen it, I've heard of it happening. You know, no one's a perfect parent. Focus on the future. What can you do from now to make it make it better all right well i wanted to throw some helpful tips and tricks in here but it looks like i'm running out of time so i want to keep it under the 30 minutes so i'll have to put those in a later episode for you guys i mentioned earlier that i started working on a project and not quite ready to spill all the beans yet but i've been uh, talking amongst my friends and family about it and believe that it's something that'll help several of you out there my goal is to have it out before the end of the year but you never know it might be might be a little sooner than that. I will certainly keep you posted on updates as it gets closer to time for me to release it to you guys, and I'll have some more uh, details coming coming up. Well, I usually end every episode with the fortune cookie of the day. I've uh, since decided to uh, change it from fortune and the cookie of the day to inspiration from moneybehave.com. Fortune cookie of the day just kind of sounded sounded too much like a good luck thing and I wanted it to be more of an inspiration thing. So now I'm going to change it up and end every show with uh, inspiration from moneybehave.com because my goal is to inspire you, to help help all you guys out there. So today's inspiration comes from Senator John McCain, recently died of cancer. He says, we are all taught to understand correctly that courage is not the absence of fear but the capacity for action despite our fears. And that's my hope for you guys today to leave this podcast. Take action. Don't get caught up in your fears. Power through it. Walk through it. Run through it. 
I believe in all of you. You can do it. One small step at a time. Rome wasn't built in a day. And whatever you're building, you can build it one step at a time, one brick at a time. Well, that is all the time we have for today. I appreciate you all listening. I am your host, Jonathan Dell, and you've been listening to the Money Behave podcast.